The Daily Tap is live for Thursday. We're talking Packer Viking storylines, Devontae Adams drama, how to fix the box, and my J.J. Watt high school story. All that and much more. It should be a good show. Sorry for the delay. We're on a little bit of a holiday relaxation, I guess you would say. Uh, I I am off today for work, so I slept in a little bit, and then I was posting some content, and then by the time it's almost 10 o'clock getting the podcast, but we'll have it out for the afternoon. So if you are still working, it's there for you. If you need it for tomorrow morning, it's there for you. Tonight, while cooking an awesome dinner, it's there for you. Your holiday party, it's there for you. And if it is a holiday party, you can tell them, hey, this is an awesome podcast. Uh, it's a Wisconsin sports-based. It's not just Badgers. It's not just Packers. It's not just Bucks. It's all of it. Uh, there are more. Tell your friends. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you are giving us a review. No reviews over Christmas. Tough to take. Uh, I do not like that. But 25% uh, increase this year uh, from terms of listens. So really happy with that. A nice bounce back after we had a really good COVID year. Then it sort of tailed off. Then we bounced right back, which is really good. I think it speaks to consistency. I think it speaks to the topics and making sure that you guys are engaged, uh, more of a social media presence than last year. All that stuff is really good. Uh, speaking of social media, we are on everything really. Uh, not Wolf, uh, shout out Ryan Howard. Uh, that is, I was like, what <laughs> name of the office guy? Uh, but anyways, we are on a, Wolf basically is a link tree. Anyways, uh, we're on Twitter, Tabernacle Keg, Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, so find us on those channels. TikTok, trying to catch Twitter, but we're getting a lot of Twitter followers recently, which is nice. Some guy, some guy was chirping me about how I have no followers, and it's been a decade. Well, listen, man, I didn't really use Twitter the way I should have, but that's here and right there. And now I'm trying to use it more. Shout out to the Bulls social media manager who I saw in a marketing presentation, who uh, really I thought helped a lot with that. So I appreciate him and the, cre- the advice that he gave in his presentation. Anyways, let's waste no more time. Uh, we'll talk about those Bulls uh, in a little bit here, uh, but we are going to talk and start with the Green Bay Packers. Grand Packers take on the Minnesota Vikings. It is the first time the Packers and Vikings will get together since week one. It feels like forever since we have played the Minnesota Vikings. That is quite the layoff. I'm sure there will be some stats and info on that, but it's really odd to play a team in September and not play them until January. It feels like divisional matchups, we should have those kind of, I guess, like a month, month and a half apart. I also don't like when it's like back-to-back, kind of like what we had with the Commanders and Giants where they played one game, then they had a bye, and then it was Commanders and Giants again. I think the Patriots and Jets did that too. I don't like that shit, but I kind of don't also like the wide apart because so much has changed for the Vikings and the Packers, and we'll get into all of that here when we're talking about storylines. But before we get going with the game itself, I think the Washington game will matter so much to the energy of this football game. Washington takes on Cleveland. Uh, Washington is a one and a half point favorite. They're going back to Carson Wentz from Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke had the wheels kind of fell off with Taylor. It's kind of like you ride this like 
amazing roller coaster or it's like this crazy red flag girl and you have just awesome sex for a few few months but then at the end of it she's throwing bottles at your head and you realize that holy shit this is a toxic bitch that's kind of Taylor Heineke right so they're going back to Carson Wentz who's more of the conservative more you know stay at home you know girl you'd bring home and I realize that this is could be borderline misogynistic but I'm sorry I know girl you could use guys insert guys if you're offended okay they're going back to Carson Wentz who knows what we're going to see with Carson Wentz uh Terry McLaurin really struggled with Carson Wentz the offense was not good with Carson Wentz the Browns are not very good this season but the Browns also do not need to tank right the Browns you know, if they win, it's not going to affect their draft pick because it's going to Houston. So the Browns have every incentive to keep playing football. Deshaun Watson, you know, has been bad. I think it was weird that people were very critical of Deshaun Watson's game against the New Orleans Saints. Now, I'm not trying to praise Deshaun Watson. I'm not trying to get in Deshaun Watson's boat, boat here. But at the same time, it was an awfully, it was an awful weather game, like a terrible, terrible weather game. Uh, and Kevin Stefanski, I feel like still is trying to prove a point with Deshaun Watson, and maybe this will be his opportunity to showcase. So if the Browns do beat the Commanders, then the, the energy, the vibe of this game completely changes because the Packers then know they will be in the playoff driver's seat if they win that game. Now, if the Lions also were to lose to the Chicago Bears, that would even further drive home the, we have the keys to the car and get in. And it's similar to, if you remember the Giants-Packers game, you know, it was similar vibe, right? In 2010, and I, again, I told Mitch, on the podcast earlier this week that I'm not calling it 2010 until we beat San Francisco, uh, that they basically were dead in the water. It didn't look great. And then the, the miracle at the Meadowlands happened with Deshaun Watt, Deshaun Jackson, not other Deshaun, taking back the kick, spelled differently too, taking back the kick. And he takes back the kick and that happens. And all of a sudden Green Bay has a window. And it, I felt like it propelled them to blowing out that Giants team the following week because that Giants team was a dead dog. And I'm not saying the Vikings are a dead dog because the Vikings would love nothing more than to keep the Packers out. But there would be a sort of heightened energy, heightened emotion to this game if you have the opportunity to take control of the playoff race. We'll just have to see. Move on to other storylines that are more in-game. There are a lot of potential revenge games. We'll start on the offense and then move to the defense. There is a Christian Watson revenge game potential here, right? Christian Watson, if you remember, had the deep ball to him immediately. First play of the regular season. Perfect ball from Aaron Rodgers that Christian Watson dropped. If Christian Watson catches that ball, I think that game is entirely different. I And some people think the season is entirely different. I'm not ready to go there with that. I think I might have said that at certain points, but... You, you just say a lot of things when you're three and five or you're four and eight. You just, you kind of like deep, dig deep to kind of find the solace in what could have been. And that is one for Watson that he'd want back. And Watson can still do that against the Vikings, barring that he's healthy. He did not practice yesterday, which is not great. Uh, we'll see what kind of injury designation he gets um, after today and later this afternoon. But Watson can potentially beat this Vikings team deep 
over and over again. It is definitely possible. There is no no stopping Watson when it comes to the, the guys that he's playing because the Vikings secondary is trash. It is one of the worst in football. Uh, I mean, Patrick Peterson's been a great story because he's made some plays defensively in terms of turnovers, but Peterson gets cooked. He cannot handle the speed of Christian Watson. And I would imagine that Green Bay will go to the deep ball multiple times if Watson is playing. If Watson isn't playing, I still think Green Bay brings out the deep ball multiple times, whether it's with Lazard, whether it's a wheel route with like an Aaron Jones, or maybe they go back to the big dog wheel routes. Uh, But still, I I think you're going to see a lot of deep balls from Aaron Rodgers. I know the hero balls drive people crazy. I think there is a case to be made for hero balls this week, considering how porous the Viking secondary is and how bad they are against deep balls. You have to keep Aaron Rodgers upright. That was a problem in that first game against the Minnesota Vikings. But if you look at the offensive line that Green Bay had in that game, it was pretty ugly. I think we kind of forget that, that Green Bay had just a terrible offensive line week one. Jacob Morley pointed that out on Twitter today. Their offensive line in week one was Josh Nyman at left tackle, John Ronnie at left guard, Josh Myers at center, Jake Hansen at right guard, and Royce Newman at right tackle. Ooh. Now, Josh Nyman, it might not play. He, I don't think he practiced yesterday. He has a shoulder injury. So you might not have Josh Nyman out there. But David Bakhtiari, Rodgers had said, potentially playing to Pat McAfee on Tuesday, which I'm sure Matt LaFleur and other people were delighted that Rodgers was breaking that news. But if you have Bakhtiari out there at left tackle, and then you can push Zach Tom to right tackle, as long as Zach Tom's comfortable there. I, I We all know about Nyman's struggles you know, going from left to right. I, that can happen with offensive linemen. So we'll just kind of have to check in on that. You, you'll you be basically not miss a beat, right? You'll, you'll have Zach Tom ready there. You won't have to see Royce Newman out there. And if we have to see Royce Newman out there, basically you're going to have to keep a guy in to protect, whether that's A.J. Dillon, whether that's Patrick Taylor, whether that's Aaron Jones. You're going to have to keep in an extra body or big dog for that matter uh, because Royce Newman cannot handle you know, Zadarius Smith or Daniel Hunter. Like that's that's just not going to work. It's not going to, you know, work out well for Green Bay. But Rodgers has to stay upright for the Packers to win this game. The Viking, one of the better things that the Vikings do from a defensive side of things is their pass rush. You know Zadarius Smith is going to want, you know, continued revenge against Green Bay. He has a Pro Bowl. It's his first game back at Lambeau Field. Uh, Z's going to want a couple sacks in this football game. So Green Bay has to do a good job of protecting their quarterback. Speaking of Aaron Jones, will Aaron Jones have a bounce back game or will it be more of December Dillon? I think the the thought that Aaron Jones like didn't get enough touches was a little bit fraudulent from Packer fans. I think Packer fans were way too in their bags with that one. I think it's been a classic trope and I like I understand that, but people just completely forget that Dylan was hurt, or I'm sorry, Jones, pardon me, was hurt all week. Like he had an ankle injury, he's been hampered by it. It's kind of common knowledge and I I said it on a couple pods this week where I was like I'm pretty sure Jones is more beat up than than we know right and he's just playing through the pain and trying his best and that part to me is is something I think we need to take in consideration now maybe Jones gets better maybe the ankle heals up and you see more of Aaron Jones in this game but having AJ Dillon there is going to help AJ Dillon in the cold is just one of those things that works out well it's been really good for the Packers it's been really successful the weather on Sunday is going to be a balmy 37 that's not 
not necessarily Packer January weather, but still good enough weather for AJ Dillon to carry through carry through the conditions. And something to note, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a storyline I was going to consider, but the Vikings have not really played in the elements for a while here. Like the Vikings have played most of their games inside a dome for basically the greater, the last like four weeks, which I, I think you have to consider, even though it's 37, right? Even though it's going to be 37 on Sunday, I, I still think you have to factor that in that Minnesota has not played in the elements pretty much at all since, gosh, look at this, since their week 10 game against Buffalo. Look at that shit. This is crazy. So the Vikings have not played out in the cold since week 10 against Buffalo. Weather there was pretty cold that game, if I, if I don't recall. They went home to Dallas. Then they played home, home New England, home Jets, so all in the dome. Then to Detroit. Then to the cold, Then home against the Colts. Then home against the Giants. So this means that the Vikings have played the last seven weeks inside a dome. They have played in no cold weather games. And I don't think the Vikings were practicing outside. They, I'm sure maybe they did a little bit. But man, this is this is interesting. This is an interesting angle that I think it, you know, it wasn't part of my storyline conversation, but I think it makes a lot of sense for Green Bay to get out early in this game. You know, the Vikings are not going to be adapted to the elements right away. And can Green Bay establish that early on and get an early lead and try to basically sit on it and not let the Vikings voodoo magic happen, which I want to talk about at the end of, of this segment. Moving on to the defense, speaking of revenge games, Jair Alexander revenge game. Justin Jefferson went absolutely off against the Green Bay Packers in the first game that the Vikings and Packers played. Now, Packers' pass defense has actually been pretty good. The run defense has still been porous uh, in recent weeks. Will Jair Alexander get that opportunity on Justin Jefferson? Will Jair Alexander get what he wanted after week one and be on Justin Jefferson for most of the game? Will we see that? I'll be very curious to you know, observe if we are going to get Alexander on Jefferson the entire game, or if we're going to get, you know, Alexander and Douglas, but basically there's a guy that is always sticky on Jefferson and not basically let Jefferson out into the zone. We'll have to see if that's, if that's possible. Uh, you also have to frustrate Kirk Cousins and make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable. As pointed out by a few people this week, like Kirk Cousins has a clean pocket. He is one of the best quarterbacks that's out there. But when Kirk Cousins gets frustrated, when he gets flustered, that's when the mistakes happen. Kirk Cousins has been really good against the Packers. Like I have to, we can hate the Vikings, we can talk shit about Minnesota, but Kirk Cousins has been very good against against the Green Bay Packers. He's done well, whether in the elements, whether out of the elements, Kirk Cousins has done well against this Packers team. So can Green Bay finally figure out a way to frustrate Cousins and have one of those bad Cousins games, which we really haven't seen all year. I don't think Kirk Cousins is an MVP, but Kirk Cousins to me is a Pro Bowl quarterback. You just have to acknowledge what he's done this season. It's been a very good year for Kirk Cousins. Not at MVP level, but better than I, I think I expected and definitely something that should excite Vikings fans going forward, right? You should be hyped that this could be, you know, a few years. This is not just, this shouldn't be a one-year thing, even though the Vikings have had so much one-score luck. Lastly, can you make sure you don't get Delvin Cook going, man? Like, Delvin Cook hasn't really had that great of a year, but he also can have explosive plays. And he's had a lot of them this season. And that's basically been Delvin Cook all year. It's been very boomer bust. 
And the Packers have to make sure he doesn't boom. Like, they've had some bad issues stopping the run all season. And can you contain Delvin Cook? Can you at least, like, keep it to 10 yards if he gets going and not a 60-yard run? And I think that's going to be very important for Green Bay to not lose out on the explosive. I think the explosive plays are going to matter in this game. You talk about explosive plays more in college than you do in the NFL. Uh, that's kind of a advanced metric gambling thing that people look at like, oh, this team's terrible at giving up explosive plays. Like I read that a lot in betting analysis for college football, more so than NFL. But with the Packers and Vikings, both of them are A, ha- have the ability for explosive plays, but B, have the ability to give up explosive plays. I think when, it boil, when you boil it down, when you just want one storyline, one take of how this game can change, it's who wins the explosive play battle. And if it's Green Bay, I think it, they win by 10 or 11. I think if it's Minnesota, they probably come out alive and win and knock the Packers out of this. So we'll have to see. And lastly, last the last, last thing, keep that Vikings voodoo magic bottled in. Do not let the Vikings find a way to win this football game. And if you're up late, like if you're up in the early fourth quarter, you're up by 10 points, put these fuckers away. Stop on that fucking throat. Do not let them stay and hang around in this football game because that's what Minnesota has done all year and they found a way to win football games and Green Bay needs to prevent that. They have not necessarily been great at closing the door. Uh, The Rams game, I felt, was like, there was like, it was weird because they didn't close the door and then they got the ball back with like seven minutes left and drained the clock and that's closing the door. And, you know, I think Miami, they kind of closed the door, but again, they left it open for the, the Dolphins to have a, you know, miraculous comeback. Now, they didn't, Tua throws another pick, and, and there you have it. But keep that Vikings voodoo magic in Minnesota and in East Dakota and not, you know, in Green Bay. So we'll see what happens. But I feel pretty good about this one. Uh, I think there will be some that are picking against the Packers. I understand that. I'm telling you, though, you know, when it comes to picking, I think it's really hard to make a decision if you're not a Packer or Vikings fan until you see the Washington result. Because I, I think if Washington wins, it's a different vibe than if they lose. If they lose, I think it changes, you know, the energy. I think the fans will know. They'll keep them updated. And I think it will create a raucous environment. And I think it'll be a really good crowd, too. You got to remember that it's New Year's Day. They're, everyone has off Monday. So everyone can get as dummy and drunk as they want, and they really don't have to work the next day. So I think you'll have a really good crowd in there, and hopefully there'll be very limited amount of Vikings fans. Although it's unfortunate, the weather is nicer, so Vikings fans will probably find their way to Lambeau Field. Real quick, before we move off of football, I did want to touch on the Devontae Adams drama. Uh, Derek Carr is no longer the starting quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders, partly doing that to avoid paying Derek Carr his guarantees if he were to get hurt. Uh, They're trying to avoid all of that and get off of Derek Carr's guaranteed money because none of it matters if after this year, they can basically clear the books of Derek Carr and start new at quarterback. This is very interesting for Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams decided to leave the Green Bay Packers to play with his buddy Derek Carr. Whether it was tampered or not, I think that is up for discussion. I still will go to my grave that Derek Carr had a lot to do with getting Devontae Adams to Vegas, and it was not done to me above the book. And you can say, well, Charlie, that's you you being a tinfoil hat Packer fan, that's fine. But I will believe that till the day I die. Now, others have said that it's not just it's not just Derek Carr and that the reasons he went to Vegas, you know, his family's out there. His wife didn't really like Green Bay from what I've been told and that 
he, you know, was a Raiders fan growing up and he was a Raiders fan for life. And that, that meant something to him to play for his hometown team. Well, his hometown team now has turned their back on his best friend and how will Adams, you know, move forward? Will he be okay with what the, where the direction the Raiders are going or will he be a package deal with Derek Carr? Or will he also realize that maybe I don't want to hitch my wagon to this quarterback that is pretty average? And I know that some people are like, I take Derek Carr and the Jets. I think there are multiple franchises to be like, I'd have Derek Carr play for us, right? I think the Texans would take Derek Carr. I think the Titans would take Derek Carr. I, I do think there are teams that would have Derek Carr as their quarterback. That said, he's he's average. He's just an average guy. Like He's not going to be an MVP he might get you to the playoffs like they did last year, but you're not going to talk about Derek Carr in the same way you will Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Pat, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. That That's not the class of quarterbacks. Can he be in the class of quarterbacks that's like Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott? Derek, could that be Derek Carr's category? Maybe. But also with that, like... I still think Dak and Kirk could only take you so far. We have not seen them elevate themselves to be a Super Bowl quarterback. Maybe this year is the year for both of those guys. I think there's still a lot of stories untold, whether it's Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray for that matter. Uh, Stafford, to me, was in that Cousins-Dak category, and he elevated, right? And you could say, all right, maybe Stafford's in a little bit of a, a league of his own. And... So to go back to Carr and Adams, it's like, will Adams continue to hitch his wagon? Will it be a package deal where if the Jets were to sign Derek Carr, for example, would then Devontae Adams request a trade to New York? I have no idea. I, I would love to know that. If that's the case, then, it, then that really means that everything else was bullshit. And then that furthers my assumption that Carr basically influenced Adams to go to Vegas and had nothing to do with all the other shit that we had just mentioned. I also find it very hard pressed that Green Bay will trade trade for Devontae Adams. I already did a social clip on this, but if you missed it, uh, it's on TikTok, by the way, Tammy Keg Sports. I'll post it on Instagram a little bit later. I just see it more as like they'll trade Aaron Rodgers, if, if anything, right? They'll say, all right, we'll deal Aaron Rodgers to Vegas for, you know, Darren Waller or for picks and things like that. And then Aaron Rodgers goes to Vegas, plays with Devontae Adams again. They kind of get their last couple of years together, and that's sort of it. I don't see Green Bay bringing Adams back into the mix when you have Watson and Dobbs. And I and look, I know Adams is better than those guys. I'm not trying to say that Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are better than Devontae Adams. And if you added Adams to the mix, and it's Adams and Watson with Dobbs in the slot, that is as good of a fucking wide receiver room as you're going to get. But would Adams really want to swallow his pride back to the Packers? Would he really want to do that? That would be such a hit to your ego, right? And such a, like, I want to do it my own way and I couldn't I couldn't do it without you guys. That's, that's really hard for people to do. LeBron did it, but it was four years later. And LeBron did it on his own terms. This would not be on Devontae's own terms. This would be the Raiders doing it. Now, if Brian Gunacus looked at it and said... We don't think Jordan Love's that good, and we could get Jordan Love to the AFC and trade you for Devontae Adams. Maybe they do that. I could also see the Raiders telling him, hey, look, we're going to get kind of an average quarterback like a Jacoby Brissett. We're going to see how it goes. We're not going to expect much this year, and we might be able to get you Caleb Williams or Drake May the next year. How does that sound? I don't think Devontae Adams would like that because Devontae Adams is older. But yeah, this is a bad mistake by Devontae. And Green Bay 
did well with what they got, but I don't know. There's a lot of ego stuff that I, I, I find it hard-pressed to expect Devontae back with the Packers. Let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks lost again last night. Uh, they lose to Chicago Bulls in overtime, 119 to 113. It was the worst loss of the Bucks season. It really... It really did not go well. Uh, Giannis had 45 points, which is great. He had 22 rebounds, which is absurd. Seven assists. I mean, it was a three-keg performance, no question about it. That said, Giannis had some brutal turnovers late. He was one of eight in overtime, and he shot the ball 39 times. The Milwaukee Bucks were, as a team, nine for 44 from three-pointer. They missed 10 free throws. Now, Giannis missed six of those, but also there were others that missed, including Pat Conton. Pat Connaughton did get the start last night because Drew Holiday said Chris Middleton out. Content was 0 for 3. Javon Carter, 2 for 3. Grayson Allen was 4 for 16. The Bucs should have closed this door and won this game against the Chicago Bulls, and they did not. And the Milwaukee Bucks need some fixing. We've been banging the door from Arjan Bochamp. He got in for two minutes. He struggled in that, that two minutes. Uh, it was kind of bullshit. It was like Bud basically placating everybody that wants Marjan out there. Marjan Bochamp needs to, to kind of be seasoned. There needs to be more Marjan out there. The fact that Mike Boonholzer continues to play Wes Matthews and Grace and George Hill, Grace Allen also an issue, but Wes Matthews and George Hill played 31 and 28 minutes combined. That is absolutely egregious. I realize George Hill had nine points or eight points in this game, but he also missed four threes, right? I just, I can't, I can't get my head around that. I can't get my head around Matthews and Hill being bench contributors for a championship team. That is not a championship bench right now. And I do think that once everybody's healthy, you're going to figure it all out. But this was something our good friend Mitch worried about at the early part of the Tabby the Keg podcast when we, we went and talked about the Bucs. And you could go back to our Bucks preview if you want. Back in October, him and I sitting on the couch. One of Mitch's chief concerns this year is what if they never get healthy? If the Middleton thing and everything else, just it never comes together. And you're starting to get to that point where is that really what's going to happen? Like are the Bucks at a point now where it's like they have to figure out a way to get everybody as a cohesive unit Instead of basically, okay, it's this rotation today, it's that rotation tomorrow, it's another rotation the following game, there needs to be some consistency with the Milwaukee Bucks. And once the Bucks have consistency, I think we can really judge them. But right now, it's hard. The Bucks are 13-12, and 12, I believe, since their 9-0 start, right? It hasn't been great. It hasn't been ideal. That said, I, it was a really hard schedule. It was a really tough month. I was going to do the review, if assuming the Bucs win, like a little behind the scenes here. But when I, the game is ending, and you start thinking about both sides of the review. You start thinking about the good. You start thinking about the bad. And I was going to talk about how like two and three on this road trip is pretty solid, right? The Nets are red hot. They haven't lost the game. They're ten, they have 10 straight wins. They won again last night. You have a Celtics team that's very good at home. You have a Cavs team that's very good at home. So losing to those three teams is no skin off your ass, right? And then beating the Bulls and Pelicans. Bulls kind of hanging around, not necessarily a playoff team, but not necessarily tanking. Pelicans, definite playoff team, one of the best teams in the Western Conference. That'd be 
those are two pretty solid wins. Bulls also a tough place to play at home, right? Uh, they have a great crowd. You know, it's full packed house at the UC last night. So I, I would have looked at that and said, okay, that's a pretty solid road trip. Now you go one and four and you've lost now three straight, four straight games. It's pretty tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. That said, you now have a home, you have some home games. You play Washington or play Minnesota and then back to back against Washington. You can easily get those four games back. And I do worry about all of the Giannis stuff and that there needs to be more guys stepping up and taking this team by the ball and feeling confident. Why are these guys losing confidence without Giannis, with, with Giannis Antetokounmpo? What's going on there that needs to be fixed? And I think there's just more rotation, more creativity. Again, I, I don't think Marjan solves everything, but I think a, having a young guy out there that's kind of fearless would make a difference. And I just want Mike Budenholzer to try it, right? If Mike Budenholzer tries it, like I, I think if we draw a line of sand here and say, all right, how many games do Bucks play in the next week? Let's look at that. I think they play like three or four. Yeah, Minnesota Friday night. That'll be a good crowd uh, at the at the Fiserv. So you have Minnesota Friday night. You then on Sunday have Washington. Washington again on Tuesday, both at home. Then you go out to Toronto for a back-to-back. Then you have Charlotte. So Bucks actually have a pretty loaded schedule here. Uh, that is how many games. And it's a lot at home, which is nice. One, two, three, four, five, six. You have six games in the next basically seven days, eight days. If Marjan Bochamp starts in all those games, I think you'd get, you kind of get your answer on what Marjan Bochamp is. Now, some of these teams are very good right now. All these teams are kind of struggling, honestly. But still, I think you'd get your answer on the type of guy Marjan is. And then the next week is a little more leveled up. You have New York, you have Atlanta, you have Miami. Like then I think you'd really understand like, okay, what, what do we have here? And I think the Bucs just need to try it. And I, I really hope that they think long and hard because you have another four-game road trip staring you in the face coming up in mid-January. And how how do you handle that? How do you how do you do how do you do it though in that scenario? So we'll have to see. But I am I'm still not giving up. I'm not panicking. I just think in terms of getting the Bucs right, it starts with guys taking it by the balls and being less fearless and less reliance on Giannis. Giannis's usage rate does not need to be at 40%, but it has to be for the Bucs to win basketball games. That needs to change. And if that means the Bucs continue to lose games, well, fuck it, fine. I'd rather the Bucs figure out their usage problem with Giannis and figure out how to be different than keep trying to basically be it's Giannis or nothing because Giannis at some point is going to burn out. And that is the last thing I want. Giannis ran out of gas in that game against Chicago. And if somebody, whether it was Grayson Allen, whether it was Bobby Portis, whether it was fucking Brooke Lopez, I don't care, took it by the balls, the Bucs win that basketball game. But they didn't because no one decided to grab the ball game by the deck. It's extremely frustrating. And I just hope it gets better. Uh, so we'll have to see with Minnesota and Washington on deck this weekend. Last thing, kind of wrap it up here. Which we would like to call this Chuck's Corner. Uh, it's where it's a little bit off the beaten path. Maybe not necessarily exactly you know what we've been talking about for the entire podcast. Uh, but it, it's sports adjacent. And it's a story I've told before. But since he retired this week, I thought I would bring back my J.J. Watt story. So I played J.J. Watt my senior year of high school. Uh, J.J. Watt was at Pewaukee. He was going to Central Michigan to play tight end. At that point, J.J. Watt was 245 pounds. He still played defensive end. I can't remember if Pewaukee ran a 4-3 or a 3-4. It doesn't matter. 
Uh, JJ was an incredible tight end. Uh, he had two touchdowns against us. He caught two deep balls. I uh, was really good as a tight end, which shouldn't shock anybody, right? Uh, but he was going to Central Michigan to play there as a 6'6", 245 guy. And he was a beast. Like, he was a big fucking dude, which I didn't really see until we played basketball against him. I wasn't playing. I was in the stands. But I'm talking about my high school, a.k.a. Tulsa West. Shut out. And so I faced, J- faced off against J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt loved to crash. He loved to use his speed. And we ran a wishbone and we ran a veer-style offense. So if you're familiar with that or you're not familiar, what a veer offense is and a wishbone, which this is old school. Nobody does this shit anymore. Everything is spread. Uh, Basically, you crash down. And so because J.J. Watt crashed every time, he played right into our hands. He didn't do much on the defensive side of the football. We got our asses handed to us. We lost all our linemen. It was 30 to nothing. It was, shit was bad. Like, it was just not a good game. and But I, I felt like I was playing all right. Like, I felt like we, I had at least opened up some opportunities. I had, I mean, God damn. Now, this is over, what, this is 15 years ago at this point? Something like that? Like, it's been a long time. Or actually, maybe it's 17. Fuck. 16? I'm old. I'm really fucking old, guys. Uh, this That's bad. But anyways... I go up, it's the end of the game, we're down, I'm, I'm with basically a JV offensive line out there, and J.J. Watt complains that I hold, and he's like, sir, sir, he held, he held, talking to the ref, and I said, quit your fucking bitching, and let's finish this game, because honestly, like, I, I just want to be done, like, I just wanted to, like, push the simulation, like, I was still playing video games at that time, like, I just wanted to sim to the end, like, I was just like, dude, fuck this, like, we are done. You beat us. Like, congratulations. You had an awesome game offensively. I'm sorry you didn't do much defensively. And JJ's like, sir, he swore. He swore. And I was like, oh, come on, man. I didn't get a flag or anything. But it was a story I would tell forever. And it was something that I always laughed at with JJ. And then he becomes this monster behemoth. And I remember our high school coach was like, oh, you didn't do well against JJ Watt. I was like, I didn't say it. I was being respectful. I was young at the time. But I was like, fuck you, man. Like, that's not true at all. Like, you are remembering J.J. Watt, the college player. That was not what J.J. Watt was in high school. Like, J.J. Watt was 245 pounds and did not wreck shit for us. We didn't get get going anything offensively because we were playing down multiple linemen. And we ran such an antiquated system that played right into Pewaukee's hands. And Pewaukee was a fast defense. They were a good team at that point. And then we also had experiences with J.J. Watt and the basketball player. J.J. Watt, I think, had a double-double against us. I think we beat him twice. But they also had a very talented, like, taller guy, Nick Olmstead, who I don't know where. Nick's, Nick might be a listener. I have no idea. But Nick, I remember Nick. Nick was better, but it was kind of a one-two punch with him and JJ. And JJ was a brute. Like, he would push people around. We didn't necessarily – we had the size, but a lot of our guys were skinny. And I was, at that point, retired from basketball, uh, two years removed from the head basketball coach asking me if I wanted to be a manager uh, instead of playing. Uh, that's another story for another time. And, uh, but, but we, we were chanting like steroids at JJ Watt, which was one, like you could get away with a lot of shit in the crowds that, I mean, people would be appalled at some of the stuff that we did in those crowds. Uh, but again, I'm not trying to get anyone canceled here, but we, we were like steroids, steroids, steroids. And JJ's grandpa, uh, wanted to fight us, uh, was very upset at the student section. We were doing that in Pewaukee's like home gym. There were people that were very unhappy with us. <laughs> we uh, we were basically uh, getting under the skin of the golden boy there, and people were not pleased. Uh, we had a few other things at JJ and things like that, but yeah, his grandpa was not pleased with us. So 
Uh, it's cool uh, that A, he's retiring. It, it honestly makes me feel really old because it's a guy I played against and now he's done playing football. I retired shit, 14 years ago, so I have JJ beat there. But I mean, just an incredible career uh, for him. I, I grew a lot of respect for JJ. I thought he was a, a pretty cringy guy. I, it's, you know, part of my take sort of influenced it. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, he, he just tries way too hard. And it's like the all oh, hey JJs were so funny uh, back in the day. And if you weren't a part of my take listener, try to find those like, oh, hey JJ. And it was so fucking funny. I promise you. And then, you know, JJ is an amazing humanitarian, right? He raised $37 million for Hurricane Harvey and brought the city of Houston back on its feet. And I, you know, I talk about, I talked about him in a TikTok video about the greatest badger. I think he did it on Instagram too, Tammy Keg Sports. And I said, he's the greatest badger of all time. And I mentioned the humanitarian efforts and someone's like, that has nothing to do with football. And I think your rightness matters what you do on and off the field, right? I think, you know, people like Carl Malone and Barry Bonds, and you're like, those guys are pricks. Those guys are assholes because of what they were off the field. And you, ha- you have that yeah, but. You don't have that with J.J. Watt. You know that J.J. Watt was a, an amazing humanitarian and put the city of Houston on his back and was a leader when, some, when they needed it, right? And sometimes leaders in cities are not the mayors, not elected officials. It are, it are athletes and they can be role models. And I, I think role models for athletes is way overdone. It's way overbaked. They're, you should look up to your parents. You should look up to people in your community. But sometimes those athletes show themselves as role models. And J.J. Watt was 100% a role model. I wish he was a Packer last season. I wish he was ending his career with the Green Bay Packers. I understand Arizona. I understand the money. I understand the weather. I totally get all of that. And who knows if Green Bay ever really pursued J.J. or not. But a great career and a story I will always tell. And something that it's harder to tell, you know, people because J.J. Watt's legacy will fade. You know, there people, you know, my kids won't know J.J. Watt unless they look it up on YouTube. But I'm sure when I have a kid, hopefully, you know, I can show him or her, you know, videos of J.J. and be like, and hopefully they're a sports fan just like I am and watch YouTube videos and be like, dad played against him years ago. But yeah, just an unbelievable career, and I hope you guys enjoyed that story. All right, that does it for today's podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed. We're going to try to do a Friday pod. I'll try to get up a little earlier, try not to sleep too late. Uh, Pardon for that. I I stayed up way too late. I easily could have done the podcast last night, and I just decided not to because I'm an idiot, uh, and that's what your boy boy likes to do. Uh, So apologies for that. I'll try to get it out early tomorrow. Uh, We'll do... I was going to do a predictions pod, but I don't know. Now I'm like, uh, does everybody do a predictions pod? I thought, I still might, fuck it. Um, and then we'll just kind of talk, we'll run through the weekend, just the games. We don't necessarily, the gambling guide sort of ran out, uh, the should you bets, uh, because we ended up doing a bunch of like Friday pods with Mitch and it just, it never, it kind of went off the rails, which I apologize for. Uh, I think maybe we'll have to just do something better next year for Fridays and going forward with Fridays. So we'll we'll uh, re- refine that, if you will. All right. Take care of yourself. Follow along on social. Tap the keg on Twitter. Tap the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. Make sure you're subscribing. Make sure you're rating and reviewing. We will talk to you tomorrow for the last podcast of 2022. See you. Bye.